Hello, today is Monday, October 16th, 2023. To my right, as always, is my esteemed colleague and co-host, Thomas Frey, in front of both of us, and at our 11 o'clock is producer Rue. I'm Adam Hartog, and this is episode 26, the day of both of us were born in our respective months of the Breaksdown Podcast, the flagship program of the 528 Podcast Network. We have a packed show today. We're going to be recapping a thrilling weekend of college football, a little bit of a letdown of an NFL weekend. We're going to talk about the NBA, a little preview because the season's coming up soon, do awards, and as usual, bold predictions of the year. Of the week. Let's get it. All right, awesome week of college football. I had been bombarding our group chat with texts about this Oregon-Washington game, I think for for over two weeks. Almost all of them rightfully ignored because it was a little overkill. It was me forcing my excitement onto my friends, um, but this one certainly did not disappoint. Forcing your excitement onto others has almost never worked. And again, it it did not work. If anything, usually it sort of quells the excitement. I just wanted to use the word quell mostly (laughs) because it came to me and, you know, it's a great word. But... Yeah, I ended up not even watching the game after all the hype you've given. You've been begging me to watch Washington more. I watched the highlights. I just, I'm always doing stuff at the time of those the games, and it's just, I don't know. I missed a good one, though, clearly. Well, what you have is what some in the sports business call a life. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do more than, more than some. More than some on this podcast. <laughs> and we're not talking about producer room. No. <laughs> no, I got to hang out with him and his friends last night. It was fun. <laughs> you say that like you don't have friends of your own. <laughs> it's judgment. It's, it's light, an example of life having. Yes, I understand. But just, <laughs> you do have friends. So uh, This was a Titanic matchup, and generally Titanic matchups like this in college don't disappoint. A lot of times I find that we have a highly anticipated Thursday, Sunday, or Monday night NFL game, and then it's a snooze fest. Uh, I think... Washington should be the number one team in the country after another really impressive showing against the eighth-ranked team in the country. What was the eighth-ranked team in the country? This is a genuine question. Would it be, like, totally unprecedented to bump them up even into the top four when the top four teams all won so easily this week? It's not unprecedented for a team to to jump a top four undefeated team. It is unprecedented coming off multi, when they're all coming off multi-score wins but I think from the jump Washington has been been ranked too low it's not so much this win that makes me think they should go from seven to one it's me thinking that they should have been in the top four this whole time and then just knocked off a another top 10 team I think that's very fair you you've been pretty high on Washington all year honestly like I was surprised how low people were on Washington. They were awesome last year, and they returned a lot of their key pieces. So I yeah, I don't know why they started off so low. But, yeah, huge win for them over Oregon. Yeah, the, the quarterback and all their receivers came back from what was an explosive offense last year and is still the country's most explosive offense this year. I don't think Oregon should have dropped either. They went to 10, and I think a three-point loss on a missed field goal on the road – 
to who I consider to be the number one country, number one team in the country, I think they definitely should be higher ranked than Alabama and Texas. And and they're, I think they're higher ranked than Bama, but they're below Texas, which is ridiculous to me. Seems like some just name brand bias, honestly. I, I guess, but it's it's Oregon. It's not like it's not like Cincinnati or or something like that. True, but it doesn't have the cachet that a name like Alabama or even Texas does. No, definitely not. They're sandwiched sandwiched between Texas and North Carolina now. Alabama's down or is still at eleven. So I mean, at least they're still over Alabama. But I get I get the point. Sure, you can't have them above the undefeated big ACC, Big Ten, Big 12 teams like Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma, Penn State, but certainly over Texas, I think they should be ranked over. But realistically, the narrative leaving this game should be that both teams are fine. I think even more so than that. I Both teams are fine, but I think a big win like this does go a long way for Washington's reputation. So I feel like the narrative should be a little bit more than that for them. Well, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, certainly Washington more than fine because they won. But, exactly. Yeah. But a loss would not have been catastrophic for either team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. Uh, and then Dan Lanning's decision-making was another big talking point. They went for it on fourth and goal at the end of the, the first half. They went, went with a rollout to the right. Did not convert there, did not score the touchdown, went into the half uh, with no points. And then in the fourth quarter with like two minutes left, they went from it on fourth and two from midfield, another rollout play to the left. Uh, Bo Bo had a guy that he could have hit for a first down on that one. The first one wasn't his fault so much. But I totally agree with with going for it in both situations. Less so the halftime one, and even he admitted after the game that that was – he wishes they had gone in with the, at least three points there, but he took a lot of criticism for going for it uh, towards the end of the game, and I think a thousand times out of a thousand, that is the right decision. You're only given a hard time when it doesn't work. It's very yeah. revisionist history. E. <laughs> and Washington's offense is Washington's offense. If you're a good football coach, you look at a situation like that and you think two very different things, but super important. You think, okay. This is the best offense in the country, and my defense is really good, but my better matchup is my offense against their defense. It's like the if you're the Dolphins, you're not hesitating about going forward on fourth and pretty much anything because you can get an explosive play at any time, just like Washington. But if you're the Panthers and it's fourth and five, you should probably take the points when you can. It's, yeah. Washington is a lot more like the Dolphins than they are the Panthers. Yeah, and then the other thing he's he should be thinking in that situation is, is my goal to win individually every game? Yes, but this team has national championship expectations, and what is the best way to get to the playoffs or the conference championship and then the playoffs and then the national championship? It's to go out there and take these games against teams like Washington. Like, you go for it because you're like, we want to win a national championship. So do they. Somebody needs to win this game. Like, let's go out there and win the goddamn game now. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, you could punt it to them, but this is still the Washington offense that's going to march down the field probably with the ease that they did anyway. I think 100% you take that risk and try to end the game there. And even with that failed attempt, they still had a chance to send it to overtime with the field goal. 
it's similar to I can't remember what game we were talking about. Arizona USC, where yes. they didn't go yeah, for yeah, the two yeah. points. You, it's the same you, thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm thank God you read my mind. I was not getting there. But that, it's exactly that's exactly the same I, thing. I was so supportive of him going for it because I was so vocal about how coaches need to do that. Gotta have balls. Yes, hundred percent. Anything else on this game? We're still unsure about the Washington quarterbacks name no it's phoenix there's no uncertainty here there's no going back can't go back okay so if it's not i'm gonna have to own this yeah yeah but you're gonna have to own me mispronouncing it for the rest of your days yes but there's there is a chance that and we talked about this off the record the other the other day that off the this, record this could be one of those situations where it just gets because there's a select few announcers that are saying phoenix where it gets to the combine and someone asks him like hey it's Penix, right we hear some guys saying phoenix and he's like Nah, you know, it's funny, actually. It's P- totally Phoenix, always been. It was Phoenix when I was born. It's Phoenix now. <laughs> it's uh, not dissimilar to Devon Achan. Yeah. Downgrade, for sure. Mm-hmm. But a lot of guys do that when they get to the league. They're just like, no, this is actually how you say it. You've all been wrong the whole time. And sometimes you go with it. Other times you don't, and you just you stick with what you've been calling him. It's happened where they just people just don't listen. I mean, there's the whole mucky mookie fiasco well that's i don't even yeah one of our friends exclusively calls him mookie bets our our most Sw- knowledgeable baseball expert our our, our, our baseball expert yeah. calls him mookie bets and swears that that's and i believe him. he's probably right but i cannot i cannot do it i will never call him mookie no i could i could Ridiculous. meet him he could look me in the eye and say hey it's mookie and i would just look at him back and say it's not but, like, it, it wasn't Mookie Blaylock. It was Mookie Blaylock. Like, there's been Mookies before. There will be Mookies after, and there, there so. won't be Mookies. You promise there will be Mookies after? I can't promise you that. <laughs> I, can't, I just can't, but I there's assume still there will There's be. probably going to be Mookies forever. Yeah, that's true. Is that his? No. His real name is probably, like, Marcus or something. Who? Mookie. Is that his real name? I thought Root? it was producer Root. check. Mookie Mook's real name. I think it can't it be. Marcus. It is okay. So, <laughs> so this that was probably like uh, his his brother couldn't pronounce Marcus or something. Yeah, but when he was like a baby. Yeah, probably. It's like, I think. Dabo is. It was because his of that. Nickname is because his like his older brother couldn't sit, was trying to say like that boy. Oh. It was like Dabo. Okay. Dabo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, that facial that's, our, that's cool exactly i guess it, yeah uh moving on to a less good game i guess yes true which is what number 21 notre dame versus number 10 usc this was domination this was the worst game caleb williams has ever played in college and i have a stat that is probably going to be divisive or it's, it's a combination of a stat and an opinion lay it on me caleb williams has Never beaten a good defense in college. 2021, Oklahoma State, best defense in the Big 12, lost to them. Last year, Utah, best defense in the Pac-12, lost to them twice. This year, Notre Dame, best defense in the cowardly independent conference, lost to them once in South Bend. Three picks in front of the Bears GM, the Giants GM, the Bills GM for some reason. <laughs> the Vikings GM. Maybe they were there to the, see the, the someone, receiver. Maybe. Someone from the Pats was there. That checks out. That does. It wasn't Bill, so I don't know who it was. <laughs> it could, would have, probably one of his many sons. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, if, if you had told me that yeah, USC lost and allowed 48 points, I would have assumed that they put up 45 or something like that, and the Swiss cheese defense let them down again. But this was totally the offense not showing up. I got nothing to refute him never beating a good defense. I think the talent is pretty unquestionable regardless. I don't think I don't think it's necessarily you knocking him. It's more so just an observation that happens to be true. It's one and of those there's things... something like there might be something there, but it, you it's You know what it is? It's one of those things you see just like an objective not objective, but like a statement on Twitter, there's no like, and this means. Yes, and, you're just and like, people. What do you mean by that? Yeah, like, what are you trying to say? And people start like <laughs> d- arguing against it, and it's yeah. like, dude, this is a this is a fact. Yeah. It's yeah, you could. It's the classic. I think it's like you tweet out, "I like pancakes," and people start yelling at you, like, "Hey, what about waffles?" Waff, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like Le Mickey. <laughs> yeah, Le, yeah, Le Mickey. No matter is. what you tweet, it's just, just Le, like oh, yeah. and ten in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is one of those kind of tweets. Uh, but I will say that what makes Caleb Williams special is his ability to make plays off-platform and off-script that are just totally out of the game plan. And he's probably the best prospect that we've seen do this because Mahomes is the one who basically created this ability that they're looking for so like it wasn't that this sought after trait with Mahomes so it wasn't you know the gold standard like it's what got Zach Wilson drafted you know no it was kind of it was almost more of a knock against Mahomes exactly than, than anything but while Caleb Williams does do this you know incredibly well and at an extremely high level sometimes you need to be able to create when you're forced to stay within the pocket and within your offense and you need to be able to go through your progressions and make a good play it's not always going to be a special game breaking play sometimes you got to take what the defense gives you and i'm not saying it's not something he's incapable of doing but good defenses force you to do that and like you said he hasn't beaten good defenses yet so again not a knock on him but it's the first instance where you're you're forced to take pause and acknowledge it. That's all. It happened in the NFL with Mahomes. At mm-hmm. one point, he had already won an MVP, and defenses basically started saying, all right, beat us bit by bit. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to not let you hit the home run ball all the time. Like, you gotta, like you're good enough to pick us apart, but, like... You have to do it. Uh, yeah, and to an extent, it's like, does it bore you doing that? Like, are you even willing to sit there and do it, even if you're successful, or are you going to go... Josh Allen mode, which is something he's tuned down a lot, but like still does. Josh Allen, yeah, playing within the game plan. You could tell sometimes he's like, you know what, I'm just gonna test this mm-hmm. thing again. I feel like NFL OCs and play calling and just how much information offenses have at their disposal is almost working to the quarterback's detriment because pretty much it always like they have an idea of where to throw to, and I'm not saying they didn't always have this, but you know given what the alignment is and what their defense is who's going to be open and when so they're almost becoming like i'm gonna i'm going to throw it here like i saw jalen hurts stare down dallas goddard and there were two defenders he was he dropped in the zone right between two defenders was that the last yeah Yeah. he's staring at him the whole time he sees the two defenders there it's almost like a madden interception i feel like i'm seeing more and more interceptions that are like 
quarterbacks in rhythm throwing it because they're so confident this guy's going to be open that they're just throwing it. It's not like they're just going through the motions. Yeah, exactly. It, it, that's how it feels. Like they're going through the motions, right? It's kind of true. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's like late. It's like getting lazy almost. Like mental lapses because it's too easy at times for some of these guys. And it's funny you bring up Madden because I play a lot of Madden. I threw and... five picks and I and went. <laughs> I quit in five picks before I got here. <laughs> yeah, and I was gonna say I. I recognize somebody that has thrown multiple interceptions and is forcing balls because they are frustrated. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Caleb Williams was doing at the end yeah. of the first half of that game. It's like, I'm too good for this. Like, you can't – I'm just going to do it because you, there, you can't – no one's been able to stop me. It's like, this isn't going to keep happening. It's creating bad habits. It's like when the kid is, like – too good in playing against inferior competition and then they get to the you know the better competition and they have all these bad habits and they have to relearn things like it that's kind of how it is Jalen green J- yeah Jalen green's a good example well that's different though because it's more he has all these bad habits because his team is awful he's still yeah. playing against good people true not yeah. in practice yeah yeah on that hurts though that i'm pretty confident that is the worst play we will ever see from Jalen Hurts in his NFL career. It was literally a Madden interception. Yeah. I've thrown that interception a hundred times. Where no matter what you see after you snap the ball, you've already mm-hmm. made up your mind that you're throwing there. I lean heavily on my tight ends. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing is, how sure are we that Lincoln Riley is a good coach? Because OU fans consider that the program took a step back each year under him even though they kept pumping out Heisman winners, conference championships, and playoff appearance. We've talked about USC's Swiss cheese defense on this very show before and how it's going to show up again. I think we said it last episode. So Yeah, we've said it multiple times. We're geniuses. We said it before the season even started. So, yeah, yeah we were all over it. But I think part of what makes a really good coach is their ability to find really good people under them why all these guys have the the greats have all this coaching tree of all these greats that followed after them like you know there was the belichick coaching tree which actually wasn't so great after him but there's the the mcveigh and the shanahan the shanahan and there's so many and Andy in college Reed. football it's uh sabin like he's had so many coordinators go on i just think lincoln riley has pretty much genius level offensive mind i think that's safe to say but i just think he hasn't found someone to lead that defense underneath him that he needs because we've seen it ocs dcs leave and the whole team structure has changed even though the head coach is still in place just because the new guy's not any good it's as simple as that a lot of the time so am i sure he's an elite head coach no because he hasn't been able to fix his defense but i think if he gets the right people underneath him his offensive mind is so good that he will be so then let me ask you another question because Rue and I were debating this earlier. What are the parameters for born on third thought they had a triple? Because Lincoln Riley had never been a head coach and inherited an Oklahoma team with Baker already there, but has has maintained a level of conference dominance, at least consistent playoff appearances, pumping out NFL players, has not won a playoff game is paid like one of the gods of college football is talked about in that ilk as well 
I think Born on Third thought they had a triple is more about entitlement and less so about ability. I think you can be born on third and thought you had a triple but still make it home. But is it is it then born on third, everybody else turns on the TV at that moment and assumes you hit yes, a triple? Yes, I think that's more of what it is, <laughs> honestly, because he's treated as though he's part of college football's elite when he hasn't done nearly as much as a lot of them. So, like he's no Urban Meyer, he's no Nick Saban, he's no Dabo, he's no no, but he's in terms of titles. But he's treated with the same esteem, pretty much as as those guys when he shouldn't be. So, I guess the perspective has to do with that more so than his perspective of himself. That's fair. You know what I mean? Totally. So I wouldn't say he meets that criteria of the initial one, but the born on third, everyone turns on the TV right at that time and assumes you hit a dribble. That that feels dead on cool all right glad we could come to an agreement on that uh that's i think all i had on this game this was this was surprising usc was an underdog in the game but like by three points not 28 their defense is so awful that their offense needs to be stellar every single week and this week it wasn't this game was over at 14 nothing or 21 7 whatever it was because so. this team is not built to come back. If you can't get stops and you're not hot out of the gate, it's really tough to come back. So. Yeah. So we've talked about Caleb Williams. We've talked about Michael Penix, the last guy remaining near the very top. Drake Mays, North Carolina Tar Heels. They beat the number 25 soon, actually probably now unranked, Miami Hurricanes 41-31 to in Durham. Durham? Chapel Hill. Chapel, Chapel Hill. Hill. Uh, Miami was leading at the half, but they had four bad drives, including two turnovers, to start the second half, and the game was out of hand from there. Cristobal in Miami, he has the team moving in the right direction, certainly after a disastrous season last year, but this is the kind of loss that doesn't seem nearly as bad if you don't blow the game by not taking a knee at the end of last game, and if this is your only loss on the season, so the in-game decision-making is still holding them back on a whole-season basis, portrait, whatever. Yeah, I mean, bad decisions in one instant can snowball throughout the rest of the year. It could be the rest of one game, it could, and then the rest of that game snowballs all the way until the rest of the year. The rest it's of time a, sometimes. Yeah, true, or at the very least the rest of, of someone's tenure. I don't want to say... <laughs> you know forever but yeah no this game was cool i like drake may i think it's pretty crazy i mean north carolina more so than duke but i think it's actually pretty crazy that they're slowly becoming football schools yeah north carolina is a top 10 school now yeah crazy yeah and it's it's cool that the may family is like north carolina athletic royalty like luke may Mm -hmm. drake's brother hit that famous shot i think to knock out the the swipe of the fox and Malik Monk, Kentucky teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke is going to be probably the best football player in North Carolina history off the top of my head. Drake. Drake, yes, my bad. I mean, obviously, <laughs> another UNC number 10 quarterback that's very famous now. Uh, Jabril Peppers played there. That's fun. And basketball, which is nuts. Jabril Peppers was on the basketball team? I think so. 6-8. I don't think, well, one. Yeah. No, Jabril Julius, no, Julius Peppers. Peppers. Okay, <laughs> I was like, I didn't. One, I didn't think Jabril Peppers went there. No, he didn't. He went to Michigan. That was me, just like you know more than me about this, so I was just letting you have it. And then once you said six eight, I was like, 
<laughs> is that even possible at that position? I think he's like five eleven. Yeah, dude, he, and he was like he like returned punts and kicks. So I was like being six eight. That's insane. Now, Ju- Julius Peppers. That's yes. cool. Playing basketball at US UNC and college football, very impressive. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, didn't Jimmy Graham do it for Miami? Yeah, that's yeah. cool too. It's no UNC though. It's no UNC. Draymond, that's true. Draymond played football? Br- very, very briefly. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't think we count that as much then. But... No. All right, we'll give him credit. Yeah, I mean, if I, probably football-basketball combination, if Draymond was, like, legit on those teams, Michigan State takes it over Miami and uh, playing for under does Izzo it? and, like... But does it take it over Miami? Not, not... I mean, this it's a bad year because Michigan State's very, very bad this year. Have they ever won a natty in football? No, but they've been in the in the college football playoff. So in the last nine years, they competed for. A I think spot that one's close. Title. I think that one's close. Actually, remind me about this tomorrow, and I want to put a poll up. For, okay. I want to. I want. I'd actually be curious to see what the results are on this, this one. I actually saw a, kind of a similar-ish argument that is not ours, so I can't take credit for it, but it's what schools, football, basketball, baseball, big three, compares to Auburn, of Chuck, Bo Jackson, and somebody else. Okay. I'd have to... <laughs> I don't know anything about baseball, so it's maybe LSU. I don't know about... Yeah, definitely LSU. They're a good one. They got Shaq... They got, and I mean, depending on, you could go Pistol Pete, you could go Shaq, you could go, they just had two first round picks this year, and uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, I guess. So yeah, Joe Burrow, Shaq, and one of those first rounders might compete if you could find the answer. Frank Thomas. Oh, no one. Nobody, right? No. Especially if you're in the market for Nugenics. Now that it's, yeah, well... (laughs) You actually texted Nugenics that one time. I did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they responded quickly. All okay, right, producer Roo said Draymond only appeared in the spring game, which at some schools that draws, like, sold-out crowds. It's freaking insane. Yeah, but if he played horribly, I, I'm not, I don't know if i give him the credit. I oh, you, the no, others. definitely not. I'm, I was just I was random, stupid fun fact. Okay, that's all I got on college football. Actually, me too. Yeah. You want to move on to regular football? Yes. So, otherwise known as NFL football. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so for uh, NFL this week, we're going to do things a little differently because we're going to have a lot of basketball stuff too. So we're going to kind of lump it in with housekeeping. We're still going to s- stick with the usual topics, but Tom and I pooled our brains together. So <laughs> collectively we have some intelligence in there and we picked storylines and uh, disappointments slash surprises together. Um, so do you want to kick things off? Yeah, our storyline is that there are no undefeated teams left. The 72 Dolphins probably frothing at the mouth watching these games. I think confirmed popped bottles. I, Larry Zonka t- may set a tweet like... Oh, so there you go. Yeah. I was dead on. The 72 Dolphins popping champagne is one of those things that just like happens every year. And I get, like, a little annoyed for no reason. Me too. There's not many things in sports that I, like, really don't care at all about. Yeah. But that's one of them. I think I care less about it because of how annoying they are about it. 
I would like the record to be broken so that I never have to hear about it again. Yeah, because they're annoying about it. It has it's a it's like a very meaningful record. It yeah. is. It would be more meaningful if it was not sixteen and up true, or whatever. True. It is. Yeah. If the they schedule don't, they don't was have as long. the most wins in a single season record. That's still That's the, the Patriots. New England, yeah. yeah. It's like the Warriors. They didn't win the championship in their year, so it doesn't matter. Just like New England's doesn't matter. But Michael Jordan's seventy two and ten and a championship does matter. So, yeah. So this Dolphins record does matter, but they're annoying about it, so I don't like it anymore. That's what it is. There's a famous uh, photo of the Bulls warming up before one of the finals games, and they all had shirts that said 72 and 10, don't mean a thing without a ring. Yeah. Mike McDaniels was asked, he's like, you guys have the the best offense through five games in, like, history or something like that. And he was like, you know what? This is what we were we when we set out in in training camp. This was the goal we were trying to accomplish, and we did it. It's, it's just like very funny. That's he's he's, he's hilarious, all, yeah. dude. He's he's great. I heard him described on a podcast as if the internet had made a football coach and just like popped him out. Yes, but I think he's funnier than the internet would create. I'll allow that because. I'm imagining generic Redditor head coach, and that's not him. He's, like, very good, funny Twitter account head coach. Yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, as for the actual the games themselves, I guess we'll just talk 49ers and Eagles for, for our storylines. Yeah, sure. The 49ers start there. Let me just start off by saying that if I ever, ever – have George Kittle on one of my fantasy teams again. Kill you? Just kill me. Okay. Going into this year, I knew, I knew I couldn't stand having him. And it was just, it was one of those auction drafts. It was such a good deal at the time. I just had to do it. And I have been unhappy every second since, including his three touchdown game. (laughs) I just... (laughs) Why were you unhappy then? Because you knew that this game was 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 going to come after it. You knew exactly that he was going to do this because he is the... I hate him on my team with every fiber of my being, and there is no one that would want to trade for him. That I'm stuck with him, and he's too good to cut, so I'm just stuck starting this guy every week. I cannot stand it. I've, I've put myself in this spot. So that's first and foremost. George Kittle's the most frustrating person in the entire world. Second, on actual sports analysis, uh, this was the first game we've really seen Purdy struggle in his pro career. There was a lot of factors that went into this. First is the rain and the weather was clearly getting to him because his accuracy was off, which is the opposite of what he's been throughout his entire career. Second, obviously, Trent Williams was looked hobbled, didn't look like himself. I think he gave up two sacks or three pressures on the final drive, which is, they were on uh, what's his face? D-end for the Browns. Garrett. Yeah, Garrett. Uh, what's his fucking first name? Miles. Miles Garrett. I kept I kept going Jason Garrett. I couldn't get <laughs> Jason Garrett out oh, of my head. La- last point on college football. Okay. The USC Notre Dame broadcast was Collinsworth's kid and Jason Garrett. Bad. And it was the worst That's a tough tandem. Of all, and it was not just them the quality the whole game was fucked up it was muffled the entire game i actually like collinsworth's kid 
He, I think he's pretty good, but he's not as good as his dad. But he's so young. He's thirty years from now, he might be. You know what the 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 le- legitimately, I will say this is a crazy. I will label this as crazy. Okay. Listening to him, he obviously sounds exactly like his dad, but he talks exactly like Al Michaels. Obviously, he's a play-by-play guy. He grew up listening to his dad and Al Michaels. Al yeah. Michaels is the play-by-play guy. So his style is Al Michaels, but his voice is his dad. Yes. Okay, I gotta listen to you it, ha- I, dude. I... It's like. You will you will totally know what I'm talking about. I promise. Yeah. Like the way Al Michaels like says players' names, like hauled mm-hmm. in by like whoever, and it's just it's like Chris Collinsworth being pretending to be Al Michaels. Yeah, Chris Collinsworth doing his best Al Michaels impression. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, back to so Miles Garrett, three pressures. Trent Williams hobbled. Yeah. CMC hurt. Debo hurt. So a lot of factors working against Purdy. No coincidence probably that he had his worst game with all those guys out yes but for all the people quick to hop on the see we were right about purdy thing he's not actually good i couldn't That's wrong. Dis- the the browns defense is actually one of the greatest defenses we've probably ever seen they've given up through five games 1002 yards which is the third fewest since the merger in 1970 50 years ago. Yes, and the only teams to allow fewer are teams from 1970 and 1971. So, in the modern era, this is unheard of what they're doing. And Jim Schwartz, your guy, Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz, yeah. Yeah. 9-1 and one in his career against Shanahan. Right, that goes back to yeah. 08, right? Yeah, um, pretty crazy. I saw your 1,000-yard stat, and for context... The 1985 Chicago Bears, widely considered the best defense of all time, allowed, and I actually typed this wrong here, so I'm glad I remembered, 1,707 yards through five games. So 700 more yards. Yes. Greatest defense of all time. That's three and a half games, yeah. extra games of yards. That's insane. the Browns dude. are average. And no one's, like, imagine if the Browns' offense was any good, if Deshaun was any good right. and healthy. That's the crazy thing is the Browns, the Browns know what they do well. Yeah. And they do it well when they do it. Yeah. Which is play defense and run the ball really well. And then they decided to throw in – a $230 million quarterback in there. So sometimes they feel like they can't play like that because they're paying this guy so much to not play like that. But when they do it well, they're tough to beat. Yeah, they are. But I still think the Niners should have won this game. Moody missed two field goals in the game, including a 41-yarder with six seconds left. He's a rookie, so I kind of felt it coming. I don't know. It could just be, like, a little bit of confirmation bias. Like, oh, yeah, I must have thought it in the moment. But I definitely felt it coming, especially because I have him in fantasy and I needed the points. So it was one of those, like, this guy's going to miss this. And he did. But the people, the naysayers, the Purdy haters, if they had won this game, the Niners had won this game, the narrative would be, damn, that Brock Purdy finds a way to win. Even at his worst, down three guys, finds a way to win. But they lose, so now it's, Purdy exposed without top talent. Like, that's what the narrative has become, and that's so dumb. So, the guy is still good. The Niners are still awesome. Tough loss against an amazing defense. San Francisco still a white trash Purdy. Nice. I've not, I don't think I've heard that one. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's an original. Okay. All right, so the other undefeated team to fall this weekend was the Philadelphia Eagles losing at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford to the New Jersey Football Jets 20-14. to 
obviously the New York football Jets, and nobody even calls them that. That's more of like a Giants thing that like fans say on the radio sometimes to be like antagonistic. Anyway, it's very true. It's always about the Giants. Yeah, I, mean, I wonder why. The reason why for the Giants more than the Jets is honestly because the Giants have more enemies, and that's solely why. And the Giants have more enemies because they've been better. And also just like people don't care about the Jets that much. Like there's been maps. But that's why. There's been maps of NFL fandoms, like every county in the US by fandom. And Jets like, don't have one. Jets don't have a single county. <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> That's tough. I, but in it could be there could be one in like Utah now. This was before Zach Wilson. I will say to Jets fans' credit, while there may not be the most of them, they're very passionate. And when games are good, MetLife is pretty electric. So I do give them credit for that. Yeah, no, they're loyal as yeah. hell. Great. It's a good. It's a strong fan base. They annoy the hell out of me. But I, that's why I give that's them credit. Honestly, why it's so fun to poke the bear? Yeah, because cause they're so annoying. <laughs> I it's it sucks because my brother's a Jets fan. Most of our best friends are Jets fans. It's kind of like if if the Bears ever get good, I expect most of my friends to truly despise me. But that no, but if you weren't you, I wouldn't despise you for it. What do you mean? You are insufferable when your team is good. Yeah. I am not. No. <laughs> so I understand why people wouldn't root against me, but I would root against you, and it's yeah. why I root against our Jets fans' <laughs> friends and my brother, because you guys are annoying when your teams are good. No, that's what I'm saying. I would expect <laughs> yes. if my team was good that everyone would hate me. But when my me. teams are good, I mind my own business. No, again, I think yeah. I think it ties back to the having a life thing. No, I don't know. I'm pretty. I I would say that downplays my passion, though. I am just. I'm not saying you don't care. Yeah, but it it's not. But it's it's not a lack of passion. It's you just don't make it your personality like I do. Yeah, but neither do all Jets fans. It's not that it's their personality. It's their. You you just make everything you're interested in your personality. That's just who you are. That's not a bad thing. The way Jets, unless the Bears are good, then it's then that's another story. But Jets <laughs> fans to see that are yes, life. I know. But I've I've gotten a taste of it a couple times. And yeah. Yes. But the it's when Jets when the Jets are good, even when they're not good, it's this is our year and it's. We're going to take every single shot at Giants fans we can all the time. And when the Jets are bad, I make fun of them because they do that to me. Otherwise, I wouldn't make fun of the Jets, just like Mets fans. Mets fans are so annoying. It's like if I – it's like why do I got to see LGM everywhere? (laughs) It's like we get it. You're a Mets fan. You exist. You – yeah, Congrats for being one of ten. Like, <laughs> that's but it's just so annoying. The Knicks are, in terms of competitiveness, I would say pretty similar to the Jets and Mets in that they've been a joke for a long time. But Knicks fans aren't. No, Knicks fans are pretty bad. Knicks fans are. are Knicks fans are bad. Knicks yeah. fans are bad. I'm a part of one of the fan bases. Damn it. <laughs> You're also a Yankee fan. 
I don't think Yankee fans are that bad. Yankee fans are the meanest to the Yankees. That annoys me. I would say most of the time people are poking the Yankees and Yankees fans more so than they're seeking it out. But no one hates their team more than Yankees fans. Yeah, true. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, How did we get here? The Eagles lost to the Jets. Oh, yeah, the New Jersey Jets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, All right. So this Jets defense, a true championship caliber unit. Not many of them, those exist league-wide at any given time. A very finite amount. How could they possibly be this good? Like, I understand they're incredible. But, like, career, consistent career bad days against Josh Allen, Mahomes throwing inexplicable interceptions that he never throws, Jalen Hurts making some of the worst plays of his entire career. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, how, yeah. How could they, like... This is like video game level good, like when you're playing on rookie. So this also ties into our surprise was the Jets defense being as good as they are. So yeah. we'll just we'll just mesh them together. But so in three games against Josh Allen, Mahomes, and Hertz, none of them has finished with a passer rating above sixty four. And they've combined thrown three touchdowns and eight interceptions. And I think there's two fumbles mixed in there. Not sure whose fumbles they were. So their defense is as good as it gets, pretty much. Was this passer rating or QBR? That was passer rating. For context, average passer rating league-wide, at least by 2020, 93.6. Yeah, so not just well below average. Like, awful games. like Orders of magnitude worse. Yes, and every time I watch the Jets play, all I can think about is how it's a shame that Zach Wilson's their quarterback. That's all I can think about. Because, and he managed a fine game. Truly did. Didn't turn the ball over. Had a nice pass on that two-point conversion that I gave him credit for in our group chat to our Jets fans. So, whatever. But, he's just not good. He's still the 31st ranked starter in the NFL. The only one I'm putting lower than him is Ritter, because Ritter's awful. But yeah, you, you don't get praised for winning a game, I mean, or just for having a game where you throw for 180 yards and, and no, no touchdowns. Yeah. Like, unless you have a defense that good that wins you the game. Exactly. The defense won them that game. and I, I actually, I like, with all respect to the Jets' defense, I gave them their praise first because I knew I was going to say this. I think the Eagles lost that game. They have four turnovers. Teams that lose the turnover battle, 4 nothing, lose 95% of the time. Actually, slightly more than that. And it's little sloppy turnovers, like the one where they didn't protect Hurts and his arm got slapped. The pick that Goddard didn't catch. The one you talked about earlier, which was one of the worst plays of his entire football career, of his life, I would say. Probably. The swift fumble. So... Little turnovers like that that are, like, uncharacteristic things that build up, I think, cost them the game. And even still, when they had three bad turnovers and were they still had a chance to win the game before Hurts threw that last pick. I agree with you, but I think it works both ways. I think the Eagles did lose that game, but I also think the Jets' defense won them that game. I just think the Jets' offense did nothing to win them that game. You know what I mean? I do. So, again, you did give the Jets' defense their flowers, but 
I feel like they've repeatedly put these quarterbacks into these positions to play poorly. I So I guess I'm just giving them a little bit more credit and taking some away from the Eagles because their offense hasn't been what it was last year. Totally. They've had a lot of turnover, which we've talked about a lot. They had, they've had a lot of injuries, but, I mean, everyone has injuries at this point. It is what it is. But Jalen Hurts has more picks now than he had all of last year. Yeah. He, again, the Madden interception, the last play of the game, he held onto the ball too long on that deep shot. If he'd thrown it earlier, it's probably a completion, and it probably seals the game. He did not play well. So I guess, yeah, they lost themselves the game. It's, it's just, it goes both ways. I, I think the Jets' defense played well enough to put them in that position for the Eagles to lose the game. Yeah, totally yeah. can't argue with that. It's just kind of like after the Bills game, it was the Jets' defense was awesome. And then after the Chiefs, Chiefs game, game, it was like, wow, they totally shut down Mahomes. And then after this, it's like, yes, they're incredible, but like, how can they be this much better than any defense ever? Okay. <laughs> against yeah. these quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I would say they are very, very good, their defense, like we've said. And I would say there has to be some level of coincidence that these quarterbacks are not at the top of their game on those days. They those those like, Mahomes interceptions like were inexplicable. They look like different people. Yeah. Like like, like, all of those games, I mean, less so the Bills, because we've kind of seen Allen do that at times, but, like, watching the Chiefs game and the Eagles game, it's like, this can't possibly be Mahomes. Like, there's no way this is the Jalen Hurts that was there last year. Like, honestly, I would say the most was Mahomes. I literally said it looked like he was high out there. Yeah. It, it, it did not look like the same guy. Those, those picks were inexplicable is the only word I can come up with. So, while giving them all their flowers... It's almost impossible to make probably the three best quarterbacks in the league, arguably, depending on Burrow, make them look bad, all three of them. It's almost impossible. So that's why it probably has to go hand in hand with some level of coincidence or luck or something that's factoring in or the MetLife turf. I don't know. You get what I'm saying? Yes. I'm on on the same page as you, but I also think – no, I'm totally on the same page as you. I think the Jets defense is playing amazing, but I think these quarterbacks are also not playing as well as they could yes, in I, these games. Yeah, it's not like it's it's not a Mahomes against the Bucks kind of thing. No. Where he was like the, like all they had was coming from him yes. and nobody else. We're literally guys fully horizontal doing everything yeah. he can out there. No, it's not like that. They're it's not like pressures in it. Those picks were unexplainable they don't make any sense no it, so Total yes outliers yes a whole career's body of work yes we've never seen him do anything like that before and he did it twice in one game the jets even didn't force him to do that yeah i think so while giving them their flowers some of it's luck yeah i, I think it has to be but if rogers is on this team they might be undefeated uh yeah i mean dude <laughs> it's it's pretty wild that the pats only win is against this team yeah <laughs> that's what if, if rogers is on this team they might they could very well be five and one or undefeated yeah yeah they're like, they're they're good yeah they yeah very good and well um, zach well that's but that's also the point is like yes zach wilson is no longer losing these games single-handedly good for him that is growth for him and it might keep him in the league for a little while however he's 
still not winning you a single game. And he's not going to put you in a position to win many. I mean, look at Brock Purdy. Like, yes, the offensive line is also better in San Francisco. But if somebody is surrounded by talent, if they're good, they're going to they're gonna win. Yes. And, and they're going to be part of the reason you win. Like, as bad as Purdy played yesterday, they still almost beat, like we said, one of the best defenses we've ever seen. So you could say the same thing about Hurts. Yeah. Yeah. True. Except, yeah, no, I could. You're right. Don't know why I made that point. It just similarities came to mind. Yeah, no, it, I, I have I have no argument to it. It's a very good argument. Um, both very good teams. Both still the two best teams in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. You use the word luck, and I think I agree with that to an extent. For both these losses, or just misfortune more so than like these teams are now. Yeah, yeah, I think consistently. So, not to get too off track, but I think I have been chalking up a lot of the Bills performances to circumstances and I think now that you are right and that and that I was also right at the beginning and then I for some reason changed my tune but the Bills are a flawed team and have been this whole time and all of a sudden I stopped believing that when that was the whole point I had coming into this year and I don't know what I don't know what happened the Miami game probably like <laughs> yeah I guess so I just really drank the Kool-Aid after that game but I've had these thoughts all along and I just totally changed I've been in your ear a lot pumping the brakes on some of their losses too but not last loss you were the opposite That's I was true. arguing on their behalf I've never I've never I have thought the Bills were a flawed team forever and you're right. It must be. It must be that Miami game. Yeah, got me drunk on Finn's losses. On on wing sauce. <laughs> why, wait, why? Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of bad quarterbacks like Zach Wilson, onto our disappointment. Yeah. Um. So the disappointment of the week is Desmond Ritter. Uh, is totally holding the Atlanta Falcons back. They are currently two and three. Three and three. Three and three. They had another terrible loss. His first loss, actually, at home in college or the NFL. So since high school. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Long time. Unless, unless he did a PG year and lost. That's fair. I can't speak to that. <laughs> Um, but he had he had two bad interceptions in the fourth quarter, one in the end zone, and they cut to Arthur Smith legitimately in disbelief on the sideline. Like, there's certain situations where you see somebody and you know that they are doing everything they can to comprehend and believe what's going on, but they just can't do it. And that was immediately, like, you see that guy and you're like, disbelief. I know that look. Respect for Arthur Smith for maintaining his composure in that moment as well as he did and not just totally snapping the surface yeah yeah and showing up his quarterback you know I, I i do give him credit for that but yeah dude he is ritter is really really bad the falcons now lost three of four they're averaging 9.6 points per game in those losses ritter's thrown five picks in his last three games and many of them are just questionable at best i would say not NFL caliber interceptions. So like the Jalen Hurts one that we said was the worst of his entire career, 
It's an average Ritter interception. It's, exactly. They're all <laughs> like, what on earth did – well, actually, no. Worst interception of the week, Mac Jones. I just need to say. Yeah. Wor- one of the worst throws I've ever seen in my entire life, but not to get too off track, but yeah. So I think their defense is awesome, and their skill positions are unbelievable, and Ritter is unquestionably holding them back. Yeah, and it's a winnable division. It's not Extremely. like they're a young team in a tough division hoping to like take the top spot one day. They're not the Texans. No, they're not. Um, I still think the Texans could win their division. I could. I'm a big Jacksonville guy. I could, yes. Could. Not saying will. Could. Okay. I also have money on it, so. Okay, well, in that case, I hope they win the division. Yeah. I have no money on Jacksonville. Neither do I. So, all in on Stroud. Stroudsville. H-Town. Uh, but no, like, yeah, winnable division, the kind of division where you risk losing the locker room if you hold on to a quarterback that is keeping your entire roster back. How do you justify keeping him in? I, You can't. I, I don't think you can at this point. It's not – like, the Jets had their backup was Tim Boyle. Like, you can explain keeping Zach Wilson in when your backup behind him is Tim Boyle. When your backup is Taylor Heineke, who's won a lot of football games and has shown that he can win games the exact way they need to, you can't explain it at a certain point. You absolutely can lose the locker room when you're doing stuff like this. The guy's actively bad. It's tough to, like like I said, credit to Zach Wilson, no longer actively bad, but Ritter's actively bad. Should be taken out. Should be benched. I mean, essentially, the disappointment is the whole entire football-watching audience can see that this guy is bad. And like you said, it's tough to be actively bad because oftentimes if you're bad, you're not even put in the position to be actively bad. So the fact that he's actively bad with this kind of efficiency is alarming. I feel like I've seen more quarterbacks play this year than, like, ever before. I swear, like, who's the Tyson... Bajent? Bajent? Division two quarterback? For yeah. The... So, riddle me this. How's that guy on a team? How's Tyson Bajent on a team, but Carson Wentz can't sniff a, a <laughs> practice squad until the Giants scooped him up? I don't know how he got on the team. I just know he was a ball of energy in preseason. He beat out P.J. Walker. Yeah. Who won the Browns the game this week. True. Yeah. Didn't even mention that. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. That's Cut tr- by the Bears. Cut by the Bears for Tyson Badgent, who I'm not saying he's horrible because he actually got better the more he was in. No, he's bad. I, I, I'm a, you know, he's the, he has the most touchdown passes in college football history. No way. Yeah. More than, more than Keenum, more than Kellen Moore. Yeah. More than the Hawaii guy. Colt Brennan. Yes. Nice. Good pull. Yeah. More than Colt Brennan, but he's again, division two, but. But more than them, Football's I think it was like a hundred. I think it was like a hundred ninety-six or something in four years. Something ridiculous. Something insane. Huh. So, but either way, like that guy's on a team. It's yeah. crazy who is making rosters and getting into games, and like some guys have like incredible college football careers, and you never hear from them again. I don't know. Just a like weird Colin thought. Klein, yeah. Yeah, just like you're much more willing to give a guy like Tyson what Bajent, I was going to say Nugent, Ted Nugent, a, a first <laughs> chance before you give another guy a second chance. Well, actually, you know what? This is interesting because I was thinking about how uh, with the new transfer portal rules, there's probably going to be a lot more guys that 
will eventually make it to the NFL because they they were not super highly recruited out of high school, but then developed uh, once they got to college and then had the chance to play like big time college football and get noticed. It's very true. You always usually it's basketball, but you always hear about guys from X area who were better than Y NBA player who made it out of there. And the guy just, you know, circumstances dictated that he went to JUCO, failed out, yada, 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 whatever. Like, there's going to be a lot more, like, Cam Newton type of stories than ever before. A lot less, like, I could have made it. Yeah. People will have a lot more opportunities to to go play at big programs and get seen. And, yeah. Look at the NCAA doing something right. Yeah. It took them forever. A a century. (laughs) It's about time. (laughs) Yeah. Um,. Then we have two NFL games to watch for next week. Do you want to do the first one, talk about that? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, so you give it to me. Okay. I forgot what I said. First one is Eagles and Dolphins. Oh, yeah, that's a good game. I don't remember where that is. I think the biggest thing to watch for in this is that the Eagles obviously will... Dolphins at Eagles. At Eagles, so in the link. Eagles obviously coming off that loss to the Jets, so they're going to be wanting to get back in the win column. But their defensive secondary is totally banged up. They had two corners leave the game yesterday, including Bradley Roby, who was signed off the streets to be their number one guy. Their secondary, or sorry, their their safeties, they came into the season already thin at the position, and because of injuries, that's been been worn even thinner. so I really have truly no idea how they're going to stop Miami's passing attack in this game. Yeah, and they were the healthiest team in football last year. So that, yeah, the turnaround is pretty wild. We've we've definitely talked about before that injury luck does not carry over. Oh, no, not at all. It's the same thing as one-score game wins. Yeah. It's, there's no correlation between years. Uh, the second game is Chargers-Chiefs. That's just a really fun game, two of the games – best and most exciting quarterbacks facing off against each other it's at arrowhead uh at now i mean obviously mike williams is down but Eckler is back for the chargers that's some more firepower for them so that'll be a fun game it's it's kind of insane that we get to see that twice a year because they're division rivals i know and they're both just they're both just so much fun even more so than mahomes there's something about the way justin herbert throws the football it's Unlike anything I've ever seen, I think. It's like him and Rodgers where the way they complete passes is just like it's a thing of, of beauty almost. You know what I mean? I know I you not to give Rodgers credit because I know you don't want to do that, but just Herbert specifically, like has he ever not thrown a perfect spiral? Probably not. I don't know if I've ever seen it. It's a it is a wonder that this guy was getting knocked coming into the NFL. It's like I did. I knocked him. He shouldn't have gone back to college there. Should have been a giant pisses me off if he was on the giants dude maybe then i'd be insufferable maybe then well i mean yeah he'd be so much fun dude it's lucky for everybody that knows me i guess that the bears don't have patrick mahomes oh it is unbelievably lucky dude he also two super Bowls. he also would have flamed out by now the bears would have ruined him (laughs) not with that defense they had back then but that's true but i mean probably (laughs) he wouldn't have been able to throw the left side of the field by now (laughs) So, one more thing on football. Last week, I told you that I would give you a ranking of the quarterbacks that I would take over Dak. Okay. 
I have not only that, but I have some research into Dak's recent struggles and some theories behind why that's the case. If you will allow me to go on a solo, do a, do a solo, I guess. Sure, sure. Okay, so Dak Prescott. Strengths. He's very intelligent. I've seen a video of him taking us down through the play clock and going through everything that he processes before it gets from, let's say, 35 when they line up to like five and he's trusted and has been for years with changing things like adjustments at the line based on the protection or sorry what the looks that the defense is giving him he gets through all his reads and the above combination means that it the opportunities for the defense to cheat without getting torched are few and far between the offense undeniably struggling this year i, I can't say that isn't true kellen moore was replaced Last year, fired after last season as the offensive coordinator, Mike McCarthy has taken over play-calling duties and has shifted to a much heavier focus on the short passing game. Now remember, Dak led the NFL in interceptions in 2022, and this was supposed to help eliminate that, but it does not mean that he was a turnover machine. He has thrown an interception on 2% of his career throws, which is ninth best all time. If we dig into the 2022 numbers a little more, PFF's measure of turnover-worthy plays, Dak was 13th. 88% of those turnover-worthy plays turned into turnovers, which is higher than the league average of 77%. On plays that did not end in an interception, Dak was 4th in EPA per dropback, behind only Mahomes, Allen, and Tua. This year, though, his numbers are down yards per attempt epa per play qbr and success rate are all down why i think because the play calling sucks on rundowns which is first down or second and medium his completion percentage is almost 71 percent and his on target throw rate is fifth in the league but on those plays they're only he is only 20th in yards per play and ep and epa per play 35.7 percent of those plays have a negative epa which is fourth worst in the league. So despite Dak being really successful on those, the kind of play calling that they're running is not leading to good offensive results for the team. This is exactly what Mike McCarthy went through before in Green Bay. Now that I've gotten through all that, my list of quarterbacks that I would rather have over Dak Prescott right now, Patrick Mahomes is one. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, C.J. Stroud, and then I have Dak. So is that 12? That is 10. 10? I have him ahead of Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. I think you're wrong on both of those. What about Lamar? You said Lamar? Six. Kirk? Lower than everybody on this list. I mean, otherwise, it's not like he's kind of just in the middle of the pack. I'd probably put Kirk over him, but you said Purdy? No. I'd put Purdy over him. I wouldn't yet. I think Dak on this Niners team would light the league on fire. I think Dak on this Niners team would do exactly what Purdy's doing. I think Dak's right now better than Purdy. Well, after Purdy's worst game of his career, it's a lot easier to say. But, but I did this before the weekend. Yeah, but you blamed a lot of it on play calling. Yes. When Dak's been a perma-choker in his entire career – and he's been in one of the best situations to succeed forever and has never won anything. Well, he's won a lot of games, though. Okay, but does anyone care? No. About I do. 
I mean, not I don't winning care regular that the season Cowboys games. Wins. Winning regular season games doesn't matter, though. Ultimately, well, I'm not like I'm not saying he's ever going to be good enough to win a Super Bowl. No, but I'm saying these other quarterbacks who you would take, like Stafford, has won a Super Bowl, and we've seen him in in a good situ go from a bad situation where he was excelling to a good situation and excelling and winning a Super Bowl. Well, part of it, the Stafford thing is age. Are we talking about building a future team around? Just like quarterbacks I'd want like right now. Given their short passing attack, yeah, I'd want Dak over Stafford because that wouldn't be utilizing any of his strengths. Well, I don't but, think it's utilizing Dak's either. Yeah, well, yeah, so... But I would still take Stafford over Dak. I think Stafford's a way better quarterback than Dak. I generally agree with that, but I think the per and I would t- and Goff's been again. I hated Goff, but he's been a been pretty much an MVP caliber quarterback for the last year and a half. Uh, yeah, it's it was tough to leave Goff out of the top five, top I, ten. Given what we've seen Goff do with the Lions, you kind of can't tell me that he wouldn't do better on the Cowboys than Dak. It's um, like Dak has had. I I would agree with that because Dak has of the had way they play. Dak has had solid to good numbers throughout his whole career. He's been a solid to good quarterback throughout his whole career. But he's, if you want to put him, I mean, I'm putting him probably 12th or 13th. You're putting him 10th. So I don't think we're very far off. But I think that everyone within pretty much that 10 to 14, 15 range, if put on the Cowboys, could do as well, if not better, than Dak. I, I just think it's we we haven't it's been a long time since we've seen Dak in a situation designed for his strengths and really the only glimpse of it we got was last year and they immediately went away from that because he threw a lot of picks but generally those interceptions were not indicative of a struggling offense it was a combination of bad luck and the turnover worthy plays being above league average. Uh, but, but sorry to interrupt, but I'm not saying that they were wrong to change the play style. I think going away from Kellen Moore was stupid. He's clearly a good OC, and Mike McCarthy's took one of the top offenses in football and turned them into a bottom 10 unit. Like, that's I, – I don't put that on Dak. I'm, I don't even blame him for their struggles. I'm saying – Given their offensive line and their weapons throughout his career prior to this year, I think he is a very, a pretty easily replaceable quarterback. I mean, they won a Cooper Rush was kind of tearing it up last year for them. And I think you could say the same. I think you could very legitimately make the same argument about Purdy and other 49ers quarterbacks. I, I think when guys are put into those situations, those questions are fair. But with those situations, the coaching wasn't an issue. It was like very much to their benefit Dak has been fighting against poor coaching so like situationally roster wise I agree but it's like their scheme last year was was to his strengths though yeah but and then it was it was it was working and then they got spooked by the interception numbers so they went back to a totally different style Uh, yeah but again now you're you're talking about this new style versus that old style. I'm saying even in that old style, when it was catered more to his strengths, I think I would take other quarterbacks over him. I would too, but... I think him and Kirk Cousins in terms of talent are very similar. I'd 
Kirk's the closest one to it because Kirk can't win in primetime. But, like, I've seen Purdy win in primetime. I've seen him win in with a good system. If you put Purdy right now into last year's Cowboys offense with their O-line and their weapons and their Kellen Moore scheme, I think Purdy would do very, very similar to what Dak did. I'm not saying he's awful. I just I think what he does is replaceable. And given his propensity to choke, there are a lot of co- – like I think genuinely talent-wise, I genuinely believe this. If Daniel Jones was on the Cowboys and forget this year, coming out of last year before his internal clock got messed up, I think he would be just as good as Dak, if not better. I disagree with that because – like, well, one thing, you guys have both told me that Daniel Jones struggles with, like, adjustments at the line of scrimmage and stuff like that, which Dak is really good at. This year. This year more than – he was he was good last year. This year he's been bad. But right. also, he's got an entire new – like, the whole, everything has worked against Daniel Jones this year. Like, that's why I threw out this year entirely. So, I, But, yes, he's not as good pre-snap as Dak. That's fair. And I think getting through his reads, there's not many quarterbacks that are as good as Dak either. No, but I think, again, Daniel Jones is too dumb to feel pressure. He's like Eli, where I don't think the moment gets to him because he's he's just dumb like that. Dak probably got through his progressions better than Eli did, but I, you couldn't pay me all King Midas's silver <laughs> to take Dak over Eli. There, Dak's talent, which he, I'm not saying he's not talented. He could be great pre-snap. He could, he's got, like, he used to be more mobile. He's not really anymore. I just think he's replaceable. As, which I feel like in the past, when it was quarterback 10 through 14, no name, you agreed. But now that it's Dak, you're disagreeing. Even though, mean? I I'm think. I'm not saying he's I, not replaceable. I think his name is forced – you are defending him based more on name than anything else. No, I gave the numbers. Yeah, but you gave me a lot of pretty numbers that meant a lot of things, but a lot, all of it was to say that his bad coaching this year has held him back. Well, it's, it's more like he isn't really the problem. Like, he's a good quarterback and he's showing it, but he's being misused. But I'm not – I have at no point said, aside from in the clutch – that he holds them back. In clutch moments, he has a propensity to fail. Yeah, but I thought I thought this whole thing came because last week you said he was bad. Uh, well, bad is uh, if I said he was bad, I was being a little, I was exaggerating probably a little bit. Okay, well, I still had fun. I think he's. I, I don't <laughs> think he's. <laughs> I don't think he's bad. I just think he's replaceable. I think like even like Geno Smith. Like I don't think Geno's very good. But I think if you put Geno on the Cowboys, he'd do a lot of what Dak does. There's days where I think Geno's better than Dak. Yeah, and I don't think Geno's that good. Uh, I'd say he's a top 14 quarterback. Yeah, I don't think that's that good. No, it's not. I th- but I also would have Jared Goff squarely over Dak. Like I can't I, really, I can't really argue against that. Like if you have got like who'd you have nine? Stroud. Okay. I would probably say after Goff, right after Stroud, I'd probably put Goff over Stroud still. So let's say Stroud. Anything after that... Gets blurry. It's just, like, not that good. Like, 
if you have any quarterback after that, you kind of want someone else. Yeah. That's how – if you're in the either kind of want someone else or we need a new quarterback camp, you're not that good. Fair. That's where my head is at. All right. Fair enough. Let's get into the meat. How do you want to How do you want to start this up? So for this one, uh, what Rue and I <laughs> – Producer Rue <and> you? <laughs> what – Tom and I decided for our basketball preview, we are going to talk about, uh, we're going to do award preview, finals preview. Uh, we're going to talk about who we think is going to be in the conference finals, right? Did I miss anything? Sleeper team yes. and something we're excited for. Yes. Yes. Did You did a finals preview? I just, I have who I think is going to be in the finals. I can come, I don't have it planned, but I have my conference finals so I can take it from there i i did fi- i did conference finals and then i did finals mvp envisioning what the matchup was going to be okay sure let's start with our award predictions okay all right so i'll give my my mvp prediction it's pretty boring but i'm going with Jokic. Okay. i have my other candidates here that i have a little i'll just go through the whole spiel can i quickly interject and say that mine is also Jokic? okay yeah it's not a it's not a sexy pick but no. Uh, he's got you know elite stats and impact paired with a top team in the league. Arguably should have won MVP last year, but didn't because it was Embiid's quote unquote turn. He's the best player in the league. I in the, have, in the world. Yeah. In the world, yeah. I have no problem. Yeah, in the league, Just which equals in thing. the world. Yeah, it's more fun to say. Yes, I have no issues saying that. If he is healthy and producing, he's going to win MVP. Every prediction is obviously barring health, so I'm not going to keep making that caveat. Uh, my other candidates, I actually think Giannis is also a very serious contender, and he would probably be my second pick, if not. Uh, Luka's probably second in odds, I assume, because they always put him there, but I just don't think the Mavericks are going to be good enough. And I don't know. I didn't. I really didn't like watching Luka play last year. He looked like he took a step back as a playmaker and he became like a a really bad ball stopper and then wasn't getting back at all on defense. And it was, it's like really bad, like developing some really bad habits. So I I don't think Luke is going to be in the discussion. Really. I just don't think the Mavericks are good enough. I think sneaky, sneaky pick is LeBron for MVP. Yeah. I have made it clear many times, not a LeBron fan really at all bordering on LeBron hater. I just am an MJ guy. It is what it is. But LeBron's stats are always up there. I think the Lakers are going to be really, really good this year. And if he plays the 60-plus games required to win, be eligible for awards and puts up his efficient 27-7-7. The LeBron. Yeah. like it's. I have no reason to believe he won't be in the discussion, especially if Jokic – if something happens to Jokic or the Nuggets have like another injury and something happens and they fall down, like anything is possible. So LeBron's consistent play paired with, I think the Lakers regular season success, I think makes him like a very, very sneaky contender. Plus he was in the discussion last year before his injury. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. And then sleeper pick SGA. Oh, damn it. That's mine. Oh, well, your, that's your sleeper pick for, for MVP? MVP yeah, yeah. I mean, he averaged, like, what, 35 last year or something like that? 33? Uh, 30, 31.4. Yeah. Uh, with four, five rebounds, five and a half assists. If the Thunder are a top four seed 
in the West, which is going to be very hard to do. I see him absolutely getting MVP votes. It's Jokic's award to lose. I just, there are other avenues for other people to win it. KD is probably, no, I think he's probably done winning MVPs, honestly. I think there's a lot of mouths to feed on the Suns. Tatum, I think, has the same issue. It's a lot of, there's only one ball to go around, and he goes through his random, like, stretches where he's the worst shooter in the NBA. JT? Yeah. And, I mean, Holiday's not a high, like, I need the ball in my hands all the time guy, but him and Porzingis are going to get theirs, and I do think that definitely cuts into Tatum's usage, at least to some extent. So, I don't know. I just don't see it. I I like him. I think he's awesome, and I think he could win one, but I just don't think it's this year. And I think that's pretty much it. No, I agree. I mean, I have Jokic, too. Uh, Dark Horse, also SGA. And um, I, I, Tatum, I mean, Tatum is... I think my favorite player in the NBA. So, like, I have a soft spot for him, but I agree that I don't think I don't think the performance is going to be consistently dominant enough throughout the whole season to garner MVP votes. Like that in- inconsistency where you mentioned, I think is going to keep him from that. I also think the talent on his team actually hinders him. The fact that there is there are so many scoring options on that team. One, obviously, like I said, lowers his usage, but also it. It works against you in an MVP race because you're not carrying your team. Like, Luka's always second in odds because of how much, like, it's like, oh, Luka's going to lead the team to a championship. Or, like, like yes, there's plenty of talent on the Nuggets, but it's not, like, Jamal Murray's awesome, but he's never made an all-star team. Like, Aaron Gordon, very good player, never made an all-star team. Like, Jokic is that team. Like, LeBron was those teams. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, uh, my counterpoint was going to be, like, like LeBron on the Heatles, Steph on the Warriors, but those are situations where the talent surrounded him did not really eat into the metrics and the numbers. So, it's it it's situa- situa- the situational. situationally can play out in different ways. Y- yes. It's, it's totally possible that... It's so crowded that the numbers reflect that. Yeah, that's what I mean by his usage being lower. But I also just think those teams, the LeBron Heat and the Steph Warriors, those teams were far and away the best teams in the league. I think the Celtics are going to be very good, one of the top teams, but I don't think they're going to win 65 games. You know what I like that? It's either you you win in an obscene amount of games and your team is the best team in the league or you put up absolutely ridiculous stats and you're a top four seed yeah that's or you're russell westbrook and you average a triple double for the first time ever like that's that's how you do it my last point on the mvp part of the reason i picked Jokic is because i think that from time to time we've seen situations where somebody deserves to win mvp and then they don't and then they have a really good season the next year and they win it like the the first example that comes to mind is Harden, who I will always think should have won MVP over Russ when Russ averaged averaged a triple double, and then I think Harden had a worse season than he did that year or the year after, but still won MVP. And I think we're both in agreement that Jokic should have won an MVP last year and would have if he wanted it. Um, and we could see just like a whoops, like yeah, sorry. It's the narrative switch. It's when it's some guy. It's when it's someone's turn. That's always what it is. Yeah. Or there's voter fatigue. Or, in last year's case, some combination of the two. 
But yeah. The yeah. next one I have is Defensive Player of the Year. Does okay. That, does that work? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Wait, my... can I guess yours? I think I know what it is. Yeah. Evan Mobley. No. Oh, okay. I am a big Evan Mobley guy, though. Yeah, you are. Okay. I think I picked him last year. You did. Um, no, it's Giannis. Come on, Ed. What? Same it's thing? Mine, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last season, defensive rating 107.7. He is a dominant force at both ends of the ball, and yeah, that's all I have. Huh. He's already won it before. He's clearly an impact defender. I think with Drew gone, swapping in Dame for Drew, not only does that take some of the weight off of his shoulders offensively, but it also forces him to have to do more defensively. I also think having two Defensive Player of the Year candidates on both sides of you hinders your chances at winning. So I think that's why his metrics and everything and his effort level on that side of the ball took a step back last year because he had Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday. I will say... I think the next up is probably Evan Mobley. He came in third last year. He defended the third most shots on the year and held opponents to a 47.1 shooting percentage from the field, which is just very, very low. Oh, I also think another one is Bam. I think Bam arguably could have won it over Marcus Smart two years ago. So I think he could be a sleeper pick here. So, yeah, I would say Bam, Mobley, and Giannis would be my my three picks. Uh, Yeah, I guess if I were to go... Sleeper. I didn't actually have one for this, but... Neither did I. I just thought you, of you it. You kind of called mine. I probably would have gone, gone Mobley, too. Another sleeper, because we're here. Drew Holiday. Speaking of a this guy's turn, I have a weird feeling that that could be the narrative push this year for him, Defensive Player of the Year. He's been, like, quietly, like, the players say he's probably the best defensive player in the league. And I'm just saying it could be a narrative that sneaks up. Because he's going to be on one of the best defensive teams in the league. So uh, best defender on the best defensive team also carries weight. That's what won Mark Smart the award. Exactly. Uh, what do you have next? I'll do six, man. I, my pick is quickly. I think he should have won it last year. I He didn't win it because he, the narrative was that he started too many games, which helped his stats. But it's what the job of the six man is to fill in holes wherever applicable. So... Just because he did it at such a high level, therefore he shouldn't win six man. I, I think that's really stupid. He impacts the game on both sides of the ball at a very, very high level. He's very clearly starter caliber. Speaking of his turn, I think it's his turn. I think he should have won it last year. I think he won it this year. I had a different pick for six man of the year last year. Who would you pick last year, Brogdon? Yeah, I had Brogdon when we did our awards preview. But it's hard to disagree that quickly was deserving of the award last year. Like you said, the the played too much is ridiculous. All right, it's so my sixth man of the year. I I promised you, you would be. I'm expecting fireworks. Surprised. Here. Okay, so this one I have somebody who I thought my days of giving them preseason awards was long over. I have Brody, and this is why. Because this is a world where I envision the Clippers making moves for guards into the season because things aren't going the way that they anticipate. So he gets forced to more of like a like a utility guy off the bench that can do a little bit of everything. As a Clipper last year, averaged 16, 5, and 7.5 and on just under 50% shooting. Took three threes a game, so... I'm kind of penciling him for, like, one ill-advised Brody three off the bench. But, like, I totally think you could be looking at, like, a 24 and 
five or six player off the bench. And if the Clippers actually acquire like enough talent to bump him into that kind of role, they're probably going to win like 57 games. And I think a player like that off the bench, especially because of the name recognition, is going to be in the conversation if this crazy unwinding hypothetical happens. In your magical hypothetical world, I understand your logic. I think the days of Russ averaging 20-plus a game are over. Maybe. I don't... I still think if he averages... 17 6 and 6 as a sixth man for the a very good clippers team in your hypothetical yeah he would be in the discussion and i think he could definitely win it yeah you're projecting a lot of things to happen yes. for that to happen yes. so i i can't argue it but i'm gonna be wrong no matter who i pick so it might as well swing for the fences yeah i that's fair and if you're right we can look Clip back it. on this and yeah it's all if yeah it is it's a lot of if <laughs> You want a rookie of the year or coach of the year? Uh, let's do, I mean, do you, do you have somebody besides Wemby for rookie of the year? I was very close to giving it to Scoot. It's a very guard-friendly award, typically. It doesn't go to big men often. But, and, and Scoot has the keys, and he's got the NBA-ready body, and he's been in the G League for two years. Like, he is going to put up probably the stats to win it. But Wemby is just... If he plays the requisite amount of games, his impact offensively and defensively is so unbelievable. Like we are, watching this guy play is like watching a, like a two K create a player. Like that's what it looks like. Yeah, we're talking about a guy that could average four points per game and will still be realistically probably a candidate for defensive player of the year. Yeah, he's probably going to average two to three blocks a game and 20-plus points a game. Like, that's not even unreasonable. I, I think that's totally doable. So I just think that's hard to overcome. So I think that the biggest one there is health. The other one is Chet. He's sleeper, but of Scoot, Wemby, and then now Chet, I think Chet will probably have the most impact on winning because his team will be the best, and he's just – he fills a square peg, square hole on him. Um, yeah. In perfect. That's what I was yeah, say. he fits perfectly in that lineup. So I think that would be the only thing to his benefit. And but the only time that's ever won someone the award was Malcolm Brogdon. And that was because all the other candidates were so bad. So it's not it's not usual. But I guess moving my coach of the year is Mark Dagnalt. I still don't know how to say his name. I don't know if I'll ever learn at this point. Danielt, Daniel, Dagnalt, whatever. I think he should have had more of a chance last year, but uh, oh, Kings coach Mike Brown. Mike Brown did things with the Kings. They had like one of the best offenses literally ever, and they went from out of the playoffs to a top four seed, three, three seed, or three. So he deserves the award, but I just think Dagnalt, whatever the however you say his name, I just, I think the Thunder are poised for a leap, and I don't know how big the leap's going to be, but. The way you win this award is either you've top of the standings or you're on a team that goes from okay to very good or bad to good. You just you have to take some sort of leap or you need to be the best team in the league. I think it'll be some sort of leap for them. I think it's pronounced Louisville. I don't think it's pronounced that way, and I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Even if it was pronounced that way, I'd still call him Dagnalt. Even if there was a fire. Even if there's a fire. <laughs> Mark Dagnalt. 
Uh, my coach of the year, so you said something very interesting. It's either you take a team that was bad to good or some other variation of a big leap that was kind of unexpected. Uh, in this case, I actually think we both think the Thunder are going to be better, but it's still situation applies. The other one you mentioned was the coach of the best team in the league. I have uh, Adrian Griffin winning this, the new Bucks coach. What? My iPad died. No. Yeah. Uh, okay. Not indicative of Adrian Griffin at all. No, not at all. Um, okay. I, I think the Bucks are going to be the number one seed in the East. I think uh, Giannis is going to, I don't want to say reestablish himself as a top two guy in the NBA because I think we both are pretty confident that he it's exactly what he is. But I think a lot of the focus has been on guys like uh, Jokic, Embiid, Jimmy Butler even recently. Um, obviously the guys in Phoenix. And I think with a new coach, uh, Damian Lillard next to him, like you said, uh, what's his face? <laughs> Brooke Lopez? Drew, no, Drew Holiday. Oh. Uh, not being there is going to totally reinvent the way that they play. And I think all of that combined is going to uh, at least earn Adrian Griffin a nomination for Coach of the Year, even though it's his first season as head coach there. That's a good pick. I think Mike Malone will also be in the discussion We'll Weird. probably win the most games this year. Yeah. Weirdly enough, Spo has never won it. That's kind of crazy. He's the best coach in the league. There was a slight pause before you said it, but I but you meant it. No, he is yeah, the best. He's the best coach in the league. Yeah. I don't even think it's really that close. No. I think it's him point, and then everyone else, but this is kind of just my theory on coaching. There's not that big of a difference between a bad coach and an okay coach in the NBA. And there's not that big of a difference between an okay coach and a good coach. But there's between good and bad, there's still some variance there. But between good and great, there's a huge difference. That's how I... So it's great, good, okay, bad. So bad and great, super far apart. What about good, great, grand, wonderful? (laughs) Not really applicable here, you're... But yes, He's Billy Madison. Yes, I know. Totally just disregarding my theory, but uh, no, I mean, great is taking an eight seed to the NBA Finals. Yeah, yes, but the rest of it is in general. Nobody maximizes their talent in the NBA the way that he do do, do. actively do. Does he? he I think it's actually. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on, I think it's. Nobody does it better than the blank does. I think it's heat do. I think it's heat do. Okay. Nobody does it better than the heat do. That's No, I think it's actually, I think it's technically does, but I think the way everyone uses it is do. Okay. Because it's one entity. Like you wouldn't say, like it's technically supposed to be the Yankees does. Because the Yankees isn't plural. It's not multiple Yankees. It's just one organization. One organization. So, yeah. Does. He does. Yeah. All right. but, well, it's anyway. sa- but no one says that. No. Yeah, and nobody else – No. also nobody is taking guys like – I mean, he's bad now, but Duncan Robinson turning into critical pieces for a finals run. Gabe Vincent turning him into, like, prize free agents. That's Spolstra. Yeah. Max Struess, too. Yes. Yeah. The problem is – before these two, they always paid these guys. Tyler Johnson, Deion Waiters, 
the most feared player in the NBA, James Johnson. That's who it is. He's not even on a team right now. They do the players poll of like who's the player you least want to get into a fight with. I think you've got like 56% of the vote. Guy's a free agent. <laughs> I think he's a black belt. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, iPad died again. So, all right. Do you want to move on to our conference? Oh, I got some more awards, Oh, we do? Actually, yeah. What other awards are there? Comeback uh, player of the year? No, I have I have most improved player. Oh, I forgot about most improved. All right, while my iPad turns on, you tell me yours. Okay, mine is Jabari Smith Jr. Okay. I really liked him coming out of Auburn, and from what he's shown in, I think, in MVP. Do they do MVP the preseason? They do, right? I think he won it. They do it of summer league. I don't know. That's about. what I meant. Oh yeah, league. yeah, yeah. They do it. I he, think he won they MVP do like all NBA. They do all summer league first and second teams, and they, I believe, they do MVPs. So he probably won it. If not, he was. If he didn't win it, he was on all summer league. Yeah, um, and I think the Rockets are going to be pretty bad still, but I think that he's a really good wing player. He plays great defense and with Ime there I think his talents are really going to be featured and utilized and uh, he's he's certainly not going to make the kind of jump that someone like Laurie Markkinen did in terms of scoring but I think his game is going to improve a lot and demonstrate why he's a crucial piece to that rebuild going forward I like that pick I don't love how they decide most improved player 90% of the time which is scoring average it is scoring average, but I like that Laurie Markkinen won it. I think he deserved it. I hate that, like, did Ja win it? Or was he yes, close? Ja yeah, won I ja hate won that Ja won it. That's really dumb. We disagreed on, I thought, um, SGA should win it last year. So, yeah, see, I don't think SGA should have won it last year. I think if you're, like, an all-star player and you just become a better all-star player, I, I don't think that should win you most improved. Like, when Goran Dragic went from, like, eight points a game to, like, 18 and was an all-star or, like, borderline all-star and won it, like, that's the essence of the award to me. So it should be, like, an is-now-good award. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. More than, like, how much... More like when... Because you could still improve a ton, even if you were good. You could still improve the most. You can, but I just... I don't know. To it's me... It's disagreeing with the spirit of the award. I do, yeah, I just don't think that's... I don't think the spirit of the award is good player becoming very good. My, now my iPad's not very biggest, much done. It's not biggest jump. It's... No. Uh, so, which is also... I, like, I think... A very obvious winner of it is McCall Bridges. When he went from the Suns to the Nets, he had, his scoring average went up like eight points, but his on-the-season average was only like 20 because it was balanced out. He's probably going to average like 25, 26 points a game this year, and like that's probably going to win him it. But if it were me, I wouldn't give him that award. Like Julius Randle went from a, a good bench scorer to all-NBA. Like, he deserved that award in my eyes. So I would rather it go to someone like that, like Jordan Poole, for for example. Like, he's going to go from averaging, I, I don't even know what it is, I can't even look it up, 13, 14 points a game last year off the bench. Like, he could average 26 a game this year, something 24 a game this year. He won't be the most efficient player, but neither was Markkinen, and they were, he was on a bad team too. Like, I could see Jordan Poole winning it. So that you know that'll be my pick instead of McCall Bridges. JP. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you want to go on to conference finals? Yeah, I know who my picks are, but I had so much reasoning, so I'm bummed out I can't use any of it. <laughs> my picks in the East are pretty boring. We've talked about them a lot, but it's the Celtics and the Bucks. I think they're pretty easily the two best teams in the East. Do you want to know something shocking? You didn't pick them. No, mine are exactly the same. Oh. 
So not shocking at all. I didn't understand your sarcasm. No. Um, I don't really see how you could look at these teams and think talent-wise anybody else in the East is comparable. I'll just try to remember my bullets. It was. It's pretty much like the Cavs, the Heat, the Knicks. I believe they're the next up. I could be forgetting someone because it's not in front of me anymore. But I got the finals odds up. In the East, the favorites for the for the championship: Celtics, Bucks, Cavs, Sixers, Sixers, Heat, Knicks. Yeah. So the Sixers. I just Sixers are not are not that good. They're, they're. I don't look at any of these teams and think they're on par with the other two. No, it's not even close. The Knicks are still a piece away. And a Julius Randle subtra- uh, subtraction away. The Sixers not that good. And imploding. And imploding. The Cavs are okay, but they're just okay. They have a weirdly built roster. They have like two centers together and two point guards together. It's just like it's a strange fit. And like Max Struess helps their lineup cohesion because Okoro can't shoot at all, and they were starting him just because they had to. He was the only wing they had, and Karis Levert's not a good fit with those guys, so. Struce helps that fit, but again, just like they're just like not that good. Similar tiers to the Knicks as we saw in the playoffs. And the Heat are not that good in the regular season. And they're replacing like a lot of role player depth. Like we said, Gabe Vincent and Max Struce like aren't world beaters, but they were very important to that team. And like even Oladipo played important regular season minutes. So I don't know. They're they're gonna be asking a lot out of now now I know how to say his name. Jaime Haquez, I think I learned that yeah, on Jaime the pod. Haquez. He's going to probably play some really important minutes maybe like Nikola Jovic who played well in the summer just tough to replace all those minutes and they're even still they're just not as good in the right re- they're not going to win as many games they're not as good in the regular season and I don't think they're going to repeat the kind of playoff success they had last year they did it the year before though yeah like I don't know I, I don't I don't know they have the clear coaching advantage in almost in every single matchup and that has clearly been enough to get them over the hump the last couple of years get over the talent disparity and jimmy butler is i don't i don't know where he is in the nba top like top 10 yeah it's top 10 but like i just i'm not happy about it it still feels disrespectfully but it also feels disrespectful to some other guys so i don't know but yeah those are the two best teams bucks celtics unquestionably i got my ipad back on so let's go to the west quick okay west you want to go first yes for the west i have the nuggets and the suns Okay, I have... That was quickly. I didn't mean you had to speak quickly. But I, no, it's the same thing. Like, the, the West is way deeper. Like, the Warriors are probably going to be very competitive late. There's a, there's a world where the Clippers are. The Lakers still have two of the top 15 players in the NBA. Probably. You want to hear something crazy? Yes, always. I have, in the conference finals, the Nuggets and the Lakers. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, cool. So we do disagree. Nice. I think the Suns are right there. It's but I think the Lakers are very quietly almost maybe just as talented as the Suns and the and the Nuggets. They have on their team, it's LeBron, AD, D'Lo, Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, Gabe Vincent, Jared Vanderbilt, Christian Wood, Torian Prince, Jackson Hayes, and their first round pick, Jalen Hood Shafino. That's eleven guys that are all at the very least, legitimate NBA contributors. The biggest issue the Lakers had was maintaining any level of competence when LeBron or AD had to come out of the game or if they got hurt. They have so much depth now that they've rebuilt on the fly. I mean, they made it to the conference finals last year. I know LeBron is getting older and AD is always an injury risk, but they have, and again, not a LeBron guy, 
but he wins games and they have a really good and deep team. And the Suns, while they've rebuilt a lot of their depth on the fly, Bradley Beal and KD get hurt an awful lot. And That's I, true. And again, I get it. I just said that I just excused AD's injuries, but I just again I said the Suns are right there. It could I I knew you were gonna pick the Suns, so I picked the Lakers because I genuinely think they are neck and neck. I, I guess part of what it comes down to for me is you're saying in eight months, who do I have more confidence going to be on the court? It's, it's not anyone on the Lakers. It's not AD. AD always plays in the playoffs. Always? Pretty much. He's usually healthy come playoff time. Well, I guess what happens if he get the other times where he gets hurt and they don't even get there? They have enough depth to cover it this year. Usually they don't. I guess. I, I don't, I don't, I'm never going to feel good about AD's health, even if, even if he's stayed healthy in the playoffs in the past. The way you win a championship in the NBA is you have top-level talent. First and foremost, you have stars and superstars. Second is you have really good depth. You don't need stars everywhere. You need really good depth. That's what wins championships. Or you need high-end depth, like the Warriors where they had eight, nine guys, not ten. The Lakers potentially have 11. And I'm not saying Austin Reeves is a third star or anything like that. I think he's a very good player and a, hu- a great complimentary piece for them. And I actually really liked how he looked with Team USA, and I think he's better than I ever thought he would be. But the Lakers have top-end talent, and they have great depth. That's how you win championships. Uh, I don't disagree with that. I just I also think that... I don't think that's the only way to win championships. I think we've seen that there's worlds where teams that are loaded with firepower are just too much to overcome for for other teams like i don't think the the 2020 lakers had like were nearly as deep as some of the other teams they played like even the nuggets that year the 2020 lakers had had a lot of key uh depth on their team they had dwight they had javel mcgee rajon rondo was playing key minutes on that team they had kuzma was an awesome wing player KCP was awesome for that team. J- they had J.R. Smith off the bench. They had depth. They had they had low-level depth. Yeah, I said you need a lot of depth. Danny Green played a lot of minutes for that team. Avery Bradley was pretty good. But that's Tra- not, Alex Caruso. That's not the kind of depth that the Lakers have now where it's like big guys miss time and you're okay depth. That's not what that is. No, but it's depth nonetheless. Yeah, but this is the kind of depth we're talking about them having now is, like you said, like some guy goes out for an extended period of time and they can cover for that. Yeah, but LeBron and AD aren't the players they were in 2019-2020. True. So you need higher-end depth. No, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. So what are you disagreeing with? I'm just saying, like, we've seen situations like that where you have super high-end players and, like, co- more complementary pieces than depth, I think. But I didn't say you need second-tier stars backing them up. I just said you need high-end talent and you need depth, which is the apps which you just proved. But which I just which that no, I'm team just has. Saying, like there's, we could see a team like that come around with like low-level depth, but too much firepower at the top. But it's not low-level depth though. They had really key role players playing very important roles. 
Like, just because they're not Christian Wood, who's a high-end scorer. Like, Dwight Howard was averaging, like, 14 rebounds in, like, 12 minutes for that team. Like, Rajon Rondo was the facilitator they needed. Alex Cruz was one of the best defenders in the NBA. Like, they had key depth what they needed. Like, the Warriors, they had Sean Livingston coming in off the bench and doing totally different things than Steph did. Andre Iguodala was a six-man-of-the-year candidate for them. Like, Kevon Looney at the time different but same thing big man depth like you have guys in key spots that's what you need you christian brown for the nuggets last year is he a great elite player no but he was good depth for the team like you need bench players you need depth and in the lakers case when you have injury prone guys you need players who can step in and cover for them throughout the season so you can accumulate wins and get a higher seed i guess what it comes down to is still just like high-end talent and depth no, just like I'm, I'm. Like we've seen too many times where like a, an injury derails the Lakers' entire season, and I'm just like until we could revisit this in the start of the playoffs, and I'll have a different pick. But until then, I'm not going to pencil them in for one of the four remaining teams because they need to. But they were last year. I know they stayed healthy. Like that's what I'm saying. If they, if they show again, if we get there and they're healthy again, which is has become on the rarer side for them. But then you could say the same for the Suns. Yeah, true. I mean, I kind of did say, like, I'm just... Who am I picking to be healthier at critical moments? But again, I'm not saying I'm anti-Suns. I said they're neck and neck. I said the Lakers have the key composition of a championship team. And you've done nothing to refute that point other than saying they're going to get hurt. No, I mean, I was just saying I picked the Suns because I have more confidence in them not. I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just saying. That was that was what I was saying. Or at least that's what I started saying. But then you started saying there's there's the the recipe I provided is not the recipe. No, I wasn't trying to say that. I was just saying we've seen situations where a team built like that has lost to a team that just had too much firepower. I'm not saying that's not. I wasn't disagreeing that that's like the most like efficient or or best way to win okay i understand what happened here i'm not saying the team with the most depth wins or that the team like i'm not saying the lakers are better than the suns because they have more depth i'm saying that to win a championship, you'd need superstars and key role players, otherwise known as depth. The Suns also have that. I think the Suns are also good. But generally speaking, the teams that have the championship recipe, I would say, are the four we've five we've mentioned thus far, and probably like No, that's probably it. Like the Warriors. If depending on the level that Clay and Draymond are this year, but that's about it. No one else has the level, and probably probably the Clippers actually, if they can stay healthy. Those are the only few teams that have the high level of star talent and requisite role players required to win. Like the Sixers have high level star talent, but they have no depth. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I was I was like almost exclusively talking about Phoenix. Okay. 
and over, also over, sorry because that was the only where that was the only spot we differed. And the inverse, sorry, is the Knicks. All With depth. All depth. All depth. And like two all NBA players, but not the highest end all NBA players. So yeah, the Knicks have built like the the 49ers or not. That's mm, not true. No, it's more like I don't even know. Is it, it maybe like the Seahawks before like the Seahawks is a good one, even right now. Yeah, I feel good about that. Yeah, Seahawks is good. They just have like a lot of talent everywhere, but like no superstars. Yeah, no elevators. Yeah. in the building. Yeah. Um, and then conference or sorry, NBA Finals MVP. I have Jokic. I didn't do it, but yeah, that's who I would pick. I, the Nuggets are really, really good. Yep. That's all I got. Me too. I think. Um, sleeper team. Yeah, okay. Probably the same as you. It's uh, Oklahoma City. No. Nice. Cool. I'm glad about that, actually. I, I feel bad about saying it, but I, I, I do think there's a, there's a world where they're a top four, three or four seed in the West. And I think they have, I mean, we know they have an all-NBA point guard, a guy who totally could compete for an MVP. They have potentially one of the best defensive centers in the league. They have really good wings in the Williams. Uh, I really like Giddy. I think he's an awesome piece. And even, I think they have some solid players off the bench. Like Poku is somebody we were big on coming into the league. He's been a little bit of a disappointment. But I think if he's forced into a very specialized role, it could be great for him. Lou Dort coming off the bench is somebody that we know what he can do. And when utilized well, he does it really well. Uh, I I think there's a world where they can win 50 plus games, and I think that qualifies them as a sleeper team. So, I didn't pick them, and I have it written here in my bullet. Wanted to say the Thunder because they're so fun and young, but I think too many people think too highly of them for them to be a sleeper. So I pick the Pelicans. Okay. They feel like a real sleeper to me. I just think like the Thunder, like I think they're poised for that leap. We haven't really gotten to see Zion in a couple years, and he's we've kind of forgotten how good he is. He's a top 10 player, at least, when he's on. And I think Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum are both really good. They have they got Valanchunas, who's all right. Trey Murphy, people think, could be, like, the next big thing, like an, a very like an all-star, high-end all-star caliber talent. Herb Williams, super valuable 3 and D guy, like, if they can like stay, Herb. if they can stay healthy, like they're going to win a lot of games. Don't forget, there was a world like I think I don't think the start of last was it the start of it last year. It, or, I looked this up. It wasn't last year. It was the year before where people were like, "Holy shit, this is like." Yeah, they were like nine and one or yeah, something to start the yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, they were. There was a world where people were like, "This is the team." Yeah, they were really good, and we just haven't gotten to see them do that since. So. Yeah, they're my sleeper team. I just think they're going to – if they are healthy, they are a playoff team. Health is the biggest hurdle for that team. They've got a lot of injury-prone guys. Even, like, Jose Alvarado is a really good role player now. I like, forgot his name. I was trying to think of it. I like him. Like, he's a guy you want on your team. He's a guy you hate playing against, which are great role players, those yeah. kind of guys. So, Pelicans are my sleeper team. Something I'm excited for is just the Knicks being back on TV. Giants and the Yankees were really, really bad. Mostly, Yankees were re- regular bad. Giants might be worst team in football bad. Huh. Okay, maybe not that bad, but competing for worst overall pick kind of bad. So that's tough. With the Knicks, I know what I'm getting out of them. They're probably not going to win any championships, but 
they're going to win a lot of games. They'll probably be a top four or five seed in the East. And you know what? That's enough for me right now. I think they're a piece away. And I just pray to all of the basketball gods that they get the right piece this time for the right price. They've been here before. They were here with Amari, where they were a piece away. Granted, Amari's health failed them later on. But they should have never traded for Melo. They should have signed him as a free agent. But he wanted his money. They gave up way too much for Melo. They gave up everything they had. And then what happened? Melo had nothing around him. They had no depth whatsoever. It was Melo, JR, Tyson Chandler. And that's when we had guys like Chris Copeland and Steve Novak and Tony Douglas and the second iteration of Raymond Felton and Pablo Prigioni. And we had brought... Did you say JR? I said JR. I think, I think I said him I think I said him first. Um, we had Roni Turioff starting games. There was... It was... Uh, who was it? Not Pablo Prigioni. I just said him. It, I can't remember who I'm thinking of. Like Shumpert playing key moments. It's not... That's not who I'm... Th- oh! Rasheed Wallace. Brought Rasheed Wallace out of retirement. (laughs) Kurt Thomas. Right off the couch. Yeah. We just impued him. Like, there's, like, that's why. So the Knicks just, like, if you're going to go trade, hypothetically, let's say for Joel Embiid, and you give up RJ quickly, Grimes, five picks, and Mitchell Robinson, like, that sucks. That really sucks. You took away everything fun about this team and sold out for an all-star. So I just pray that the basketball gods treat me right for once and give the Knicks the right guy at the right time. Jalen Brunson is the right guy at the right time. They need one more. One more. That's all I'm asking for. And ideally in that move, Julius Randle goes. (laughs) I mean, that kind of has to happen to make the salaries match. It doesn't, though. If you give RJ and Mitch guess, the yeah, salaries he's on match, a huge contract now. It's not huge. 20, RJ, 20 million. I guess not huge, but I consider hundred million to be huge. But I guess that's falling behind NBA timelines. Less than Tyler Hero. True. Yeah. So that's enough for me. Barely more than Duncan Robinson. Yeah. So big. But yes. I consider Tyler Hero to be on a really big contract too. I guess. I guess there's a huge difference between really big and huge. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, all right, so my thing that I'm excited for is another team that plays in the Eastern Conference, and it's one that I am not a fan of in the slightest, but it's to watch the Orlando Magic again. <laughs> They're so weird. They are. I mean, look, nobody has nobody has as much of everything, I think, as the Magic, but they're, I mean, look, Paolo is one of my favorite young players in the NBA, and there's going to be a lot of like wacky entertaining lineups that they're going to throw out there again if everyone's healthy like they just brought in uh anthony black the guard from arkansas jet howard juan son two first round guards they drafted they still obviously have they have fultz they have suggs at forward alone they have they have um they have paolo they have isaac they have uh wagner. franz wagner and yeah. mo wagner yeah i think moses i guess they both can play forward and center so I have no idea how they're going to piece this all together, but they're huge, they're young, and honestly, they were really entertaining last year. Paolo is going to be the guy there going forward, and he certainly has the looks of somebody that can be a, a first-team All-NBA guy one day. Maybe not if there's still a huge log jam at forward like there has been for the last decade and a half, but they're 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 a cool team. They're like they're a it's 
it's Wednesday night and I have no idea what to do. Let me throw on League Pass and watch the Magic for a bit and switch around when when I get bored. Magic are a good League Pass team. Yeah. They just they've needed to consolidate talent for like three years now and they haven't done it. They just keep adding on. I it, I feel like they're playing with double the roster size. It's so unbelievable, dude. And uh, I don't even think did you say Cole Anthony? No, I forgot him. Yeah. That's like they have so many guys. Yeah. They need to move guys. They have four, five guards that need playing time. It's insane. They finally got rid of Mo Bamba. Thank God. Like he just—it's insane. I, 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 people think really highly. I actually do too. Of Franz Wagner, I, I think, think he's he, awesome. I think him and Bancaro are like two. Like they They're nailed guys. those draft picks. Like those are two of your guys forever, kind yeah. of guys. So. It's if they could just consolidate their talent and upgrade a little bit, like they're really good. They're just they just haven't been able to do it. They just such a such weird roster construction for so many years. It's just it was for years like just keep drafting the same positions until something hits. It's like let's just <laughs> it, it was even beyond that. It was like let's just draft the longest motherfuckers we can and see if they pan out. Like let's just draft Mo Bamba, Bull Bull, Wendell Carter Jr. Jonathan and Isaac. Jonathan Isaac and and just see what happens and put them all out there. Let's just do it. They still have Jonathan Isaac. They do, yeah. I, I forgot about him. 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 You did. I just I may not have even registered who he is. Yeah. He was so good. He was, yeah. I mean, yeah. also on a huge deal, like yeah. potential getting paid. Yeah, he was. He was good. He was uh, one of the better impact defensive guys in the league. Yeah, can't couldn't stay healthy, but that's a good one. That's a fun one. All right, awards. Yes, let's cool. do it. All right, I'm gonna start it off because I don't want to do our normal back and forth. My first award is the Dad, you're embarrassing me award. Okay. <laughs> um, is this one going? To, I have no idea. It's a college football award. It's a college football award. Dad, stop, Dad. You're embarrassing me. I think you're going to kick yourself after this one. You know it, Rue? Oh, it's Dion. Yes, yeah, it, it has is. to be Dion. It is Dion. Coughed okay. up a 29-point lead, biggest collapse in school history, and a 46-43 to loss to Stanford in double OT. The team has holes. We've known this first year in a massive overhaul. Can't can't run the football. Can't stop the pass. It's the ultimate recipe for exactly what happened to happen. <laughs> so it makes perfect sense. Again, not an indictment on Dion. It is what it is. There's just they're still rebuilding. But Dad, you're embarrassing me. Award. Thought it was pretty fitting. Name. It is. Yeah. It's it's uh. So I would say the Dion thing. It's it's. Um, it's not an, an indictment on his ability as a coach, but it is like it's a moment where you're like, dude, like, what are you doing? You've like, we've been through this. Like, you should have. You're supposed to learn from this happening already, and and not I, do the same things. That's fair. I just don't think they can. No, talent wise, I agree. It's just like, and and these are things that he's gonna learn coaching at at this level for the first time. That's a good award. Thank you. Uh, my first award is the Brandon Staley Award. This is going to a person that is actively holding. Is it Desmond Ritter? It's not Desmond oh, it's, Ritter. It's no. actively holding their team back. Is that the right criteria? You're pretty close. So it's it's somebody who uh, 
th they've had this this issue for quite a while. In Brandon Staley's case, he was he was the DC when he at in uh, LA for the Rams when he got hired, and since he has been with the Chargers, their defense has been pathetic. Oh, it's Lincoln Riley. No yes, nice. Yeah. No matter how many resources they've devoted to it, it has not improved at all across across his entire tenure. And you're right, this one is going to Lincoln Riley. Actually, believe it or not, that award was going to Dion for the same mistakes costing over and over. But did you just audible? I changed oh. it on my way here. Wow. I think it's more fitting with what? where it uh, with Lincoln Riley. I think it's so. It's more yeah. apples to apples. I think so. Yeah. Luckily, I remember my award because my iPad died for the fifth time today. This charger <laughs> is worthless. Um, my second award is the Space Jam Award. Okay, is this going to uh, somebody whose talent was stolen from them? No, but I wish I'd used it for that. No, this is for someone that legitimately looks like a monster. Is this Jalen Carter? No, it's it's a NBA award. Legitimately, oh, it's it's got to be the the ridiculous. Michael Jordan in Space Jam-esque Wemby dunk. It is. It's not... Well, yes, it is the Wemby that dunk specifically inspired it, but the guy literally looks like he's a, a different breed out there. Yeah. He is... So, the dunk we're referring to was over Thomas Bryant the other day. It was a video I sent in our group chat. He is well outside the restricted area when he jumps, and he dunks it so effortlessly, and he did this multiple times throughout the game where he's catching passes and dunking them... That literally no other person on planet Earth could dunk. It's Thomas Bryant, the guy who looked awestruck after this dunk, is, I think, at 6'9", I think I had, 6'9 plus, a physical specimen himself. With ex somewhat extensive playoff experience. With, ex let's say, somewhat extensive playoff experience. Let's say that. Let's say that. I wish I had. And... <laughs> He's played against the highest level of competition, played with LeBron, has played against these people his entire life. Played with Jokic, right, too? Yeah. I, no, maybe not. May not have played with Jokic. But he's played against these people his entire life, the top of the top, cream of the crop athletes. And Wemby dunked on his head, and he looked like he saw a ghost. Couldn't even comprehend that a man had dunked over him because... He didn't no, know what was going on. no other person could ever do that. That is how insane this guy is. Anyone who still doesn't believe in him is nuts. Now it okay, it unlocked. Now I can get these stats for you. He is in preseason. It's obviously in only two games, so it's very small sample size. But he's averaging twenty-one and a half points, four and a half rebounds, two assists, two blocks, a steal, and one and a half threes in only twenty-one minutes a game. He's averaging 21 point, 21 and a half points per game in 21 minutes a game. What do you expect him to play, like 35? No, he's probably not probably not up to 35. 28? I, yeah, 28 to 30, I would imagine. I, I don't think he'll be averaging 21 and a half in 21 minutes a game. I think it'll probably be 23 or 24 in 28, just because he's a rookie and I think they'll want to protect him. But, God, he's just unbelievable, dude. I If you haven't watched him play... You have to. He is out of this world, and I don't even feel corny saying it. It's insane, dude. I can't even wrap my head around it. I watched his highlights this morning, and I was sitting there like, 
<laughs> like the like cartoon jaw dropping like through Johnny the floor. Bravo yeah, that was me. Actively Johnny Bravo jaw. Crazy. The craziest things I've ever seen. <laughs> um so my second award is it's the Nick Saban award, but it's specifically Nick Saban just before he took the job at Alabama. This is I'm not thrilled without with my name for this award. Nick Saban, where was he before Alabama? He was at Miami, and they were consistently asking him if he was going to become the Alabama head coach, and he was you Miami. He was, he was denying it. No, the Dolphins. Oh, I forgot about that. It's more. It's more surrounded, or it's more tied to the. I will not be the Alabama head coach than the national championships that followed after that. Mm, it's not. It's not Brian Kelly, right? No, it's not going to a coach. Actually, it's going to somebody who, in a press conference, said what was going to happen with their football program program, and then. It was a flat-out lie. Mm, I don't know. This is going to Bears GM Ryan Poles, who in his introductory press conference said, we're going to take the North, meaning the NFC North that they're a member of, and never give it back. With yesterday's loss over the Minnesota Vikings, the Bears have yet to win a division game since he said that. (laughs) Damn it, dude. That's such a good award. I wish one. You're right. Not your best name. No. There's no. There was just no way I could have gotten it. That was so good. That's crazy. They haven't won a single division game. No. Wow. That's hilarious, dude. That's that's a. It's so. That's such a good. It's such a good award. It's almost like a LeBron esque lie. Literally. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. You want to move on to the bold prediction of the year? Yes. What the heck, Ed? I set you up for it. You're supposed to say of the week. Oh, I didn't realize that. Been you building st- up for this. <laughs> you. St- I was. Come been, on. I got distracted. Sorry. Jesus. You set me up for it every time. Finally, I cue you up perfectly, <laughs> tee you up, and you just leave me here. Of the week. Wait, no, do it again. Do it again. No, I don't want to do it again. All right. Fine. Bold prediction of the year. Of the week. I did not endorse that drum roll. No, but it's up to you if you want to leave it in or not. You give your bold prediction first. My bold prediction is surrounding this weekend's Ohio State versus Penn State contest. Do you pick Penn State? No. Oh. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to set the Ohio State single-game receiving yards record in a pen, in a loss to Penn State. Oh. So you kind of are picking Penn State. I only added that in the last <laughs> second. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Marv- Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to break the record yes. receiving yards. What is it? Do you know? It is. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba has it, and yeah. it's over 300 yards. Okay, so that is a, that's far more bold than mine. My bold prediction of the year of the week is that Trevor Lawrence is going to play Thursday night. That's not the bold part. He's having a knee issue. 
but he's going to against the Saints for those who don't know and he's going to have one of the best games of his young career I'm talking 350 plus passing yards three plus passing touchdowns maybe a rushing touchdown if he's feeling it Saints defense is really good so there's no reason behind this any turnovers uh, no okay producer who said no out of the corner of my eye so no no turnovers or if he doesn't play because it's very possible puka nakua 150 plus receiving yards okay um, against the steelers the ja- jackson smith and jigba and the rose bowl at 347 so uh my prediction is marvin harrison jr will have a trevor lawrence passing yards kind of game through the air <laughs> <laughs> man if both of these come true it'd be great yeah. i don't think i've even been close yet you were right you were sort of right yeah i was i was I think I, right I know and he then got almost right. I know he. I saw him get a snap, but he handed it off. Cunningham, yeah. I won't count that. I know you said it's got to be multiple snaps. Yeah, but you were. He was active, which was kind of the big hurdle. He got signed, not yeah, just promoted, three years, three right? Year deal, yeah. yeah. So we were right. I could have been a week off, maybe. And I don't even remember what my. Oh, mine was wrong. Yeah, mine was wrong. Eagles. Mine was Eagles. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looked good for a minute, but yeah, nope. <laughs> I I guess that's why they're bold, but you were right week one, first time we did it. I think so. We have been chasing that high ever since, man. I just can't get it. (laughs) Um, Cool. Good episode. Good episode. So, yeah, I'll tell you guys where to find us. So, I don't know if this is... We'll try it out. You can find us wherever you get your podcast, because we're everywhere. But also, make sure you follow us on... Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, X, no longer Twitter. I've been calling it Twitter. Now it's now the algorithm's going to help us out. Oh, sweet. And make sure you check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe. And we have a big giveaway coming up soon. I'm going to post it, and i got to make it first. It's going to be a Jason Dominguez mini helmet. To enter, you got to subscribe to us on YouTube. All of YouTube subscribers are eligible to enter. And if you follow us on Instagram after the time it is posted, you gain an additional entry. All that's going to say that on the post if you don't know what I'm talking about. Jason Dominguez, autographed mini helmet. Follow us. Like, comment, subscribe. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. That's how you enter. See you next week. Uh, Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Producer Rue. Thank you, Mikey Caps. Again, I'm Adam Hartog. This is the Breaks Down Podcast. (laughs) 